You ever had something you were just, you're trying to learn it, you were trying to do it, and you just got so frustrated by it that it's like, I'm never going to get this. Maybe it was learning algebra or learning how to drive a stick shift. Maybe for you, some of you ladies like crocheting or knitting or something. It's like, I'm never going to, never going to be able to figure this out. Maybe for some of you guys, it's like hitting a golf ball straight. And you're just so frustrated. But then all of a sudden, one day, you're like, aha, I get it now. And it came very, very naturally to you. You ever had an experience like that, that you were frustrated and all of a sudden it was like this light bulb comes on. It's like, ah, I get it. Webster's defines the word aha as this sudden recognition, this sudden awareness of something. And so today what we're doing is we're beginning a brand new six-week series called Aha, where we're going to, to look at how to have an aha experience in your life. Kyle Eidelman, who is a pastor down in uh, Kentucky at the Church of Southeast Christian Church, he came to the realization a couple years ago that every single testimony that he heard, there was an aha moment to it. And he said as he listened to all these testimonies, there was three common moments in every aha story. And so being like a pastor, he decided to make those three elements into an acrostic of the word aha. That's just what we pastors do, right? And then he ended up writing a book about it. But here's what aha sort of stands for in his mind. It's awakening, it's honesty, and it's action. He said every single story that he was hearing from people, there was just this sudden awakening that they're like, oh, wow. And then there was brutal honesty. And that was followed by immediate action. And so, again, what we're going to do over the next six weeks is look at how you too can have your own aha experience with God. And as we've been sharing with you over the last five or six weeks, to really get the most out of this series, it's not just coming and hearing what we're doing on Sundays. We're actually having life groups that are actually going to talk about everything that you're going to hear me talking about on Sunday mornings. And in these life groups, Kyle Eidelman, through sort of creative storytelling on video, is going to further unpack how you can have an aha experience. And so that's my prayer, is that by the end of this six-week uh, series, each and every one of you will go, aha. For some of you, it's going to be beginning a relationship with God for the first time. For some of you, it's going to be a sin that's just sort of held you down and held you down and held you down. You're going to go, aha, I, I get it now. And I know how to break free from this thing once and for all. Now, in the, the book that Kyle wrote, he used the story of the prodigal son to sort of illustrate what an aha experience looks like. And so we're going to do the same thing. Over the six weeks, we're going to take just little bits of the prodigal son's story each and every week and unpack it to see how, again, we can have our own aha experience. And so if you've got a Bible this morning, you want to turn to Luke chapter 15. That's where we're going to hang out today, Luke chapter 15. But we're only going to do the first couple verses of this particular story, just the beginning of it. Because what we need to understand is that the beginning of stories are important. If you don't have a beginning of the story, you can't have a middle of the story. And if you don't have the middle of the story, you can't have the end of the story. So we've got to start at the beginning. Beginnings are very, very important. And see, what happens so often is we want to cut right to the end, don't we? We want to get right to, and they lived happily ever after. But in order to truly understand the happily ever after part, we've got to know how did the story 
begin, because the beginning of a story often says a lot about how a story is going to then end. Stories sometimes start this way. Once upon a time. Those are fairy tales, right? How about this? Try some of these famous stories with me and see if you know what it is. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. What's that the beginning of? Star Wars, right, very good. How about this one? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Okay, not as many of you got that one, which means we're more geeky than nerdy, I guess, here at Exponential. All right, how about this one? In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days. Freshman, yeah, yeah, everybody's getting that one, which means at least we're like cool geeks, right? <laughs> which is funny, you guys, like, how many of you had that whole song memorized? Some of you, but yet you say, you know what, I can't memorize the Bible, but yet you've got the silly theme song to a television show memorized. But every, every beginning is important because again it tells more about the end of the story but again we so often we just want to jump right right to the end of it but what you need to understand is this a rags to riches story is only compelling if you understand first the rags part of it does that make sense you, you've got to know the the whole story and so that's why it's important that as we look at this this story of the prodigal son, and then many of you, if you've been around church, you already know how this story is going to end. But we've got to go back to the beginning. We have got to understand what was going on in order to have our own aha experience. So again, in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 12, Jesus is speaking and He says this. Once a man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, give me my share of the property. And so the father divided his property between his two sons. The story begins in the home of a wealthy man. He has servants. He has livestock. He's very, very wealthy. His two boys, they have everything that they want. They're spoiled in many ways. There's nothing that they're lacking. They are completely cared for and provided for. But Yet the younger son, he's like, I'm not happy here. And I want to leave home. I don't like this home that I've been brought up in. I don't like the, the father that I have. I'm going to leave home. And when it says that he was going to leave home, it wasn't that he was just sort of going on a vacation. He was going to come back. This was he was leaving forever. He was turning his back on his father. Saying, I don't want anything to do with you any longer. And so he goes to his father and he says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Now let me ask you a question. When do you typically get an inheritance? After somebody dies, right? So essentially what this boy is doing is he's going to his father and saying, I wish you were dead. Give me what is mine. He's just being completely rude, completely selfish here. Arrogant disrespectful because again his, his father loves him his father has provided for him his father has cared for him he's given him the very very best but yet he says i don't want anything to do with you give me what is mine and that's that's sad and again it's very very disrespectful 
And it'd be easy for us to say, well, you know what, the kid, he's just a spoiled brat. How dare he do this? But here's what you need to realize about this story that Jesus is telling. It's not a true story. It's actually just a made-up story that, that Jesus is using to, to make a bigger point. We, we call these parables. That just a, a made-up story that's going to illustrate a, a bigger principle. And so what we need to understand is that in this story, the son, that's you. That's me. And the father in the story, that's God, our, our heavenly father. And so what Jesus is saying is that you and I, oftentimes, we will turn our back on the Heavenly Father that we want to leave home. Even though God provides for us, even though God loves us, even though God cares for us. For whatever reason, we're like, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore, God. Give me what is rightfully mine. I deserve it. We turn our backs on Him. And we go and we do our own thing. And that's sad when we leave God in the dust like that. That we want to live apart from Him. I mean, we, we just sang a song that He is a good, good Father. But yet so often, we say, nope, not for me. God, I know You've given me all this, but I've got a better plan. The selfishness ends up costing us more than what we could ever imagine. As we go through this series, you're going to see that the selfishness of the prodigal son, it cost him more than he could ever imagine as well. But again, he, he's just a metaphor for our lives. So why would we do this? Why would you and I want to turn our back on God and walk away? Well, I believe there's three reasons if you're taking notes this morning. The first one is this. It's an I want it now mindset, which is my quest for instant gratification. I've shared this with you before. You know, we, we live in this very fast-paced, hectic world. We want everything right now. And so we have instant potatoes, instant popcorn, instant messaging, instant downloads. We want it right now. But how many of you know that when you're like cooking meat, that microwaving a roast or a steak or something, that's not the best way, is it? What, what do you want to do with the, with the meat? You, you want to let it smoke, right? Or maybe you want to let it sit and marinate in its juices or a sauce of some sort. Maybe you want to put it in the crock pot. Just let it there all day long, just sort of simmering. Get all the, the juices coming out of it. And those are the meals that it's like, wow, this is fantastic. The same applies to our lives. God oftentimes is going, I've got something that I'm cooking up for you that is awesome. But you've got to give it a little time. You've got to be patient. So we go, no, I want it now. And isn't that what we do in our lives so often with, when it comes to food? We just microwave the hungry man meal. 
or we swing by McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell or KFC. And oh yeah, sure, it, it tastes good in the moment. But long term, if you just keep eating all that instant food, that fast food, it's going to have detrimental effects on your health. Again, it's the exact same way with God. We want it now. Right now. We're the microwave generation. And God says, I want you to be the crockpot generation. I want you to be patient. I want you to wait on me. But oftentimes we end up just chasing after the things that we want, even though God has something even better for us at home. Our sinful nature screams out, you deserve this right now. Get it right now. God's saying no. And too often, that sinful nature, unfortunately, wins out. Essentially, what we're doing is we're saying, God, give me my inheritance now. I'm not going to wait. Give me my inheritance now. And then we go out and we do things that we shouldn't do. Number two, then, why do we leave the Father's house? That is an I deserve it mindset, which is a, a sense of entitlement. A lot of times we get to the place where we're like, you know what, I've been, I've been good long enough. I'm tired of waiting. I deserve it right now. And God, if you're not going to give it to me right now, then I'm just going to take it right now. We're tired of following God's rules. We're tired of God being the boss. God, I deserve it now. So we go out with excuses like, well, I'm just going to have a little fun. Or I deserve it just this, this one time. Now, as I mentioned to you earlier, part of this series is you need to get involved in a, a life group. And what you're going to see each and every week is Kyle Eidemann is going to be in the middle of a movie, basically. And so he's one of the sort of the characters in the movie, but at the same time, he'll occasionally break the fourth wall and talk to you as the audience. And you're going to hear multiple stories of people who are sort of going through some of the same things that we go through. And one of the, the characters in this particular story is this girl that she just thinks that she deserves more than what she's getting. I want to show you just a brief clip of what you're going to see in your life group this week just to sort of whet your appetite what's going to happen. Watch this. Okay. What can I get for you? Uh, yes, I will have ice cream. And you want chicken too? Yes. Oh, I just felt. Your food will be out in just a little bit. Obviously, in this story, the father represents God, and the younger son represents, well, most of the rest of us. I need more fries. If you've ever thought about chucking it all and starting over, if you've ever thought that you wanted more and deserved better, if you've ever felt like you were being held back, or you were missing out, or that you wanted to do things your own way, then perhaps you can identify with this younger son. That character's name is Angela, and you're going to follow Angela and again a couple others, but her story is just every day she's going in. She's unlocking the diner. She works all day. She just slaves for the people there. 
then she closes up at night. She does this day after day, week after week, month after month. And she's doing it for hardly any pay at all. And eventually she gets to the place where she's like, you know what, I deserve more than what I'm getting. And she starts to get tempted by ways that she can get more now. And so again, you're going to follow her story and some other stories, but again, this is our story. That so often we're like, I deserve it and I deserve it right now. But we can't be that way. We can't be that way. We've got to learn to please God. Allow things to happen in His timing instead of our own. Number three then. It's the feeling of I can do better on my own. And this is rooted in an attitude of bitterness. Again, you're going to see Angela and the other stories, but this is very evident in the, the story of the prodigal son as well. I mean, it's not like the, the father didn't provide for his son. There's a lot of stuff to do around the estate there. They weren't lacking in any way, but you just get the sense that this younger son said, I can do better on my own. I, I can be my own man. I can be the boss. Nobody should tell me what to do. I can provide for myself. And in many ways, this is a combination of the, the first two. When you start to say, I want it, I want it right now, and I deserve it, then it's going to lead to this one. This feeling of, okay, if God isn't providing it, I'll just, I'll do better on my own then. That I'm smarter than God. I'll be my own man. I'll be my own boss. But an attitude like this is forgetting what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. You see, we are, we are called to be slaves to God. That living in the Father's house, we are to be slaves. Now, I know in this country that word slave is very loaded language. And in many parts of the, the world, it's still a very loaded word because oftentimes we think of slavery as being something where somebody is subjected to do something against their will. And if they don't do it, then they're beaten for that. Unfortunately, we had that in our country. And that's a wrong thing. But when the Bible talks about slavery, it's not talking about being held against your will. It's talking about being a slave in that I willingly give up my rights to my master because I recognize that, you know what? My master can provide for me a better life than I can provide for myself. Now, you see in the Bible both the wrong types of slavery, but the, the, again, the type of slavery that is the, the sort of biblical one is that you say, you know what? There is somebody more powerful than me. Somebody that has my very best interests at heart every moment of every single day. And so I'm just going to give up my life back in return to them. That's why the Apostle Paul, many, many times throughout the New Testament, he says, I'm a slave for Christ, or I'm a slave of Christ. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to give up our lives and give our lives back to Jesus. I mean, he, he gave his life for us on the cross. The very least we can do is give our lives back to him here on the earth. And why do we do that? Why do we willingly make our slave, ourselves slaves to Him? It's because we say, you know what? He has a better plan for my life than I have for my life. He knows better for my life than I know for my life. He can provide for my life better than I can provide for my life. Again, unfortunately, so often, instead of recognizing that, that God the Father, and in it, living in His house, that's a good place to be. We're like that prodigal son. We want to turn our back on God. And walk away from him. Why? 
Because I want it now. I deserve it right now. God, if you're not going to give it to me, then I'm just better off doing it on my own. Again, that's forgetting who God is. Now here's the fascinating part about God. When you make that decision to to leave His house, to leave His home, to, to turn your back on Him, He'll allow you to do that. And He'll allow you to do it without getting struck by lightning. He's like, okay. If you want to turn your back on me, if you want to leave my home, okay. Because here's what we need to understand. True love requires freedom of choice. See, in in order to actually have something called love, there has to be something called hate. So we don't know if we truly love God unless there's that option that's there not to love God. And so he says, you can love me or not love me. You can serve me or not serve me. You can obey me or not obey me. You can choose me and to live in my home, in my house, where I'll provide for you, or you can choose not to do that. But it's completely up to us. He doesn't force himself on us. Again, in in the wrong type of slavery, the the master forces himself on the slaves. God says, I want to provide for you. I want to be your master. But if you think there's a better option somewhere else, then you can go for it. And unfortunately, again, that's the choice that the prodigal son made, and it's the one that we make so often ourselves. We choose to willingly walk away from the Father. You know, to you, it's just this little request of God that you're making, a little bit of harmless pleasure. You just want a little bit of control. It's not like you don't want God to be number one in your life. It's just you want to have something in your life that's 1B. It's not that you don't believe God's Word when it talks about sex outside of marriage, but after all, you deserve a little bit of pleasure. It's, you know, not that you're trying to turn your back on God. It's that, come on, man, it's 2017. Can words that were written thousands of years ago still be relevant today? It's not that you don't want a relationship with Him. It just seems silly to give 10% of your income back to the church when all my friends are out driving brand new cars. In other words, you're not intending on telling God, I wish you were dead. But yet, that's exactly what you're doing. That I want my share of the inheritance, and I want it right now, because I deserve it right now. And God, if you don't give it to me, then I'll just be my own man. I'll be the boss. I'll take control of my life instead of allowing you to have control of my life. Now, let me be clear about this. Every single one of us at some point in life have left the Father's house. None of us have been perfect. So the question isn't, have you left? Or even, why you left? The question is this. Will you return home? 
Remember how I told you at the beginning of the message that every beginning of a story gives a clue to the end of the story? Well, let me give you a little clue how this is going to end. It's going to end up back in the Father's house. And your story can be the same way. That yes, you've left the Father's house, but you can return. You don't have to stay out in the distant country, which we'll talk about next week. You can return back to Him. Again, not a question of have you left. The question is, will you return? Will you have that aha moment where you're living out here and you go, ah, I get it now. A sudden awakening. And you get brutally honest about where you're at right now. And then you take immediate action to return back to a father who loves you. That is that good, good father that we sang about. That's my hope and prayer for you over these next six weeks. Um, each week there's a little bit of a, a cliffhanger, right? I mean, I'm, I'm about ready to stop. I'm about ready to pray. You're like, but wait, there's more. Well, yeah, you got to come back. <laughs> But today I just wanted you to realize that all of us leave the Father's house. All of us have wandered away. But an option to return is there. And you don't have to wait for the end of the six weeks to return back to God the Father. Maybe right now in this moment, the Spirit of God has been giving you your little aha moment. That you realize that there's a sin in your life that is keeping you from God. That you've become entitled. That you think that you deserve it and you deserve it right now that you've been trying to be your own boss, your own master, and you recognize that you need to turn from that sin and return back to Him. That's aha. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for how good You truly are. And that You love us so much that You Yourself came to this earth and died on the cross. You paid the penalty for our sin, Jesus, and we thank You for that. That the power of sin doesn't have to be there in our lives any longer. You freed us. But yet, even with that, we oftentimes still walk away from the Father. We do things and we say things and we live in certain ways that we shouldn't be. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit has been speaking this morning. That we're starting to, to understand that that's the story of all of us. But it doesn't have to end there. It can have that and they all lived happily ever after type of ending where we return back to You. Not because of how good we are, but because of how good You are. That in simple faith, we just pray and we ask for Your forgiveness and we ask for Your leadership. We, we make You the Master of our lives. And say, God, it's not about me any longer. It's all about You. Or maybe there's some that are here today and they, they've never actually done that before. They, they need to pray and ask for your leadership and, and for your forgiveness. But Lord, I, I have a feeling there's also a lot of people that are here today that they've done that in the past. But yet they're still stuck somewhere in sin. And so Lord, right there in their seat, help them to realize that your word says that if we confess our sins to you, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness that You can give us a fresh start, a brand new life, a safe return back 
to your house and your home where you'll love us and you'll provide for us. And you'll give us exactly what it is that we need when we need it. Jesus, thank you that you did that for me many, many, many years ago now. And that continually you you remind me that it's better. It's better when you're living under the rule and the reign of Jesus. Father, help all of us to, to not stray from that. But to live as slaves of Christ. Where we willingly give our lives up to you. Knowing that we'll have the better life, not just right here and right now, but in the life yet to come as well in heaven with you. Again, Jesus, thank you for making that way available for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.